Bhagavate Vasudevaya Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya December 6, 2020 in Hillsborough, North Carolina reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 22 which is about the Katyani Rag, Text 17 Chato Jala Sayat Sarva Darikashita Vepitaha Ani Bhyamyoni Machadya Rotarushita Karshita Go to the word for word. What word here do you see twice? Shita. Anybody know what Shita means? It's not Sita. Shita. It's a very, very well known verse from the Bhagavad Gita. Majras. Yes. Oh. Tataha. Tataha. Then, Jala Ashayat. Out of the water. Sarvaha. All. Darikaha. The young girls. Shita Vepitaha. By the way, there's, if you don't have a long line over the A, it would be aha. When you have a long line over the A, it's aha. And that's indicative that you're dealing with the plural. Shita Vepitaha. Shivering from the cold. Honeybium. With their hands. Yoni. Their pubic area. Achadja. Covering. Proturabhu. They came up. Shita Karshitaha. Hanged by the cold. Anyone know another fighting uh, verse about Karshita, about pain or struggling? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to come back to that. Translation Then shivering from the painful cold. All the young girls rose up out of the water, covering their pubic area with their hands. Purport. The gopis had assured Krishna that they were his eternal servants and would do whatever he said. And thus they were now defeated by their own words. If they delayed any longer, they thought, some other man might come along, and this would be unbearable for them. The gopis loved Krishna so much that even in that awkward situation, their attachment to him was increasing more and more, and they were very eager to stay in his company. Thus, they did not even consider drowning themselves in the river because of the embarrassing situation. This is from uh, Tridamars' purport and Vishnu Jagavati Thakur's purport. So, read the verse again. Tato Jala Shayat Sarva Darikaha Shitave Vitaha Panigyam Yamiyakshadya Prodaru Shitakarshita. Then shivering from the painful cold, all the young girls rose up out of the water, covering their pubic area with their hands. Oh, I missed the paragraph? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, sorry. 
Um, that's for the purple. They concluded that they could do nothing but go forward to their beloved Krishna, putting aside their embarrassment. Thus, the go. It's actually really hard for me to read with a mask on because I have progressive glasses, and I'm using the bottom part of my glasses to read, and it's blocked. It's really annoying. They concluded that they could do nothing but go forward to their beloved Krishna, putting aside their embarrassment. Thus the gopis assured each other that there was no alternative and rose up out of the water to meet him. So I said, that's all from Sridhar Maharaj and Vishnu Chandra Thakur. And then Sanatana Goswami and Jiva Goswami have practically the same commentary. I'm going to read Sanatana Goswami's. Seeing his insistence, Tata, they rose from the water. Though they were shivering from the cold, they covered their private parts with their hands. Thus the shivering was actually a sattvika bhava arising from prema. They rose from the water because they were weakened by the cold. So I wanted to talk about the very unusual situation that these gopis, who are all prema bhaktas, they're all not only pure devotees, but they're the highest level of pure devotees, just like we read about in Nectar Instruction, text 10. Right? You have the fruit of workers, you have the jnanis, you have the Ganis who are liberated, the devotees, the devotees in prema, and then you have the gopis. <laughs> so these gopis are not even ordinary prema bhaktas. When Krishna returns to Ras Lila and he explains why he was absent, he says, according to the Acharya's commentaries, you're not even ordinary prema devotees. You're above that. Your love for me cannot be increased or decreased in any way. And yet they seem to be suffering from the cold. Twice it says here, uh, cold and karshitaha means struggling. So why would the gopis be struggling from the cold? Just even a liberated person does not struggle from cold. Right? So, I mean, many of us know this verse in Bhagavad Gita 2.14. Matras, we can say together. Matras, Translation. You know there's a song? Yeah, so there, uh, Bhagavad is translating heat and cold, sita and ushna, sitoshna, as winter and summer. And they arise from what? Sense perception. They arise from sense perception, from a sense of touch. Yes? Our skin touches cold and heat and therefore feels happiness and distress. At this time of year, the cold is distressing and the heat is pleasing. And in July, the cold will be pleasing and the heat will be distressing. Yes, all from touch. And it's very interesting if we look about touch. So in 522, Krishna says, Samsparsaja yoga, dukkha yonaya evate. Yonaya, we have the word yoni in today's verse. Yoni is the female reproductive system. Dukkha yonaya. The birth is given to misery. Misery is born. How is misery born? Some sparsha jaja means birth also. Sparsha touch. The happiness, boga, the happiness that's born from touch, 
brings misery. Yes, we all have experience. That happiness from the touch of our senses with their objects brings misery. First of all, they bring misery beforehand, all the work we have to do in order to enjoy those things. You want to go to a concert so your ears can touch the sound, so you have to earn the money for the concert. You have to buy the ticket. You have to do so much trouble. You have to go there, and then afterwards, maybe your hearing is affected because the noise was too loud, right, or something like that. So there's some, it's a misery sandwich. You know, you have your misery that you have to pay for the thing in advance, then you enjoy the thing, and then you have to pay for the thing afterwards. And if we enjoy sinful things, then we really have to pay for them afterwards. So they just give birth to misery, and Krishna also says they give birth to misery because they have a beginning and an end. Yes? Like, uh, yesterday I wished a happy birthday to a friend of mine who's no longer talking to me. And so that was also misery. Right? You have some friendship, you have some affection for someone, and then they don't like you anymore. Uh, the happiness has a beginning and an end. So even if you say, well, I'm just enjoying happiness, I'm not having any misery, it comes to an end. Yes, the pizza comes to an end, the friendship comes to an end, the car comes to an end, your favorite shoes come to an end, the music comes to an end, you know, it, it ends. And ultimately, we have to leave. So that's simply the source of misery. But then Krishna talks about happiness by touch in 628. When we touch Brahman, when we touch God, then we feel happiness. And we feel not only happiness, but we feel unlimited happiness. Hmm? So what's going on with these gopis? It appears that they're touching the cold. It appears that their uh, naked bodies in the water are touching the cold. And therefore, they're experiencing unhappiness, just like any other materialistic person. And their karshita are even uh, struggling. But how can that be possible when they are the highest level of prema bhaktas? And even an ordinary, <laughs> ordinary, liberated muni and jnani and yogi doesn't feel affected by the happiness and distress of touch. And even the jnani yogi Krishna is mentioning in the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita is experiencing the happiness of touch with God. That's just the jnani yogi. It's not even a bhakta. But to speak of a prema bhakta, and second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, can you get any more basic than the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita? And the beginning of the beginning. Don't worry about this Sikoshna. Right? And Krishna says other places in the Bhagavad Gita, also in 6, 7, and 12, 18, 19, to be detached from this heat and cold, happiness and distress, honor and dishonor, fame and infamy. And he always mentions heat and cold. It's a recurring theme, and we find, like when people practice yoga in Bhagavatam, that they practice becoming detached from heat and cold, isn't it? Right? What do they do to practice becoming detached from heat and cold? Yes. They surround themselves by fire in the summer, and they go into ice-cold water in the winter. There's one guy, I don't remember his name at all, who has actually practiced this, especially with cold. He goes, hmm? Winhoff. Ah, okay. What's his, how do you say his name? Winhoff. Winhoffer. Winhoffer. He's the 
German, right? Yeah, he climbs mountains with just like shorts and shoes. Yeah, Wim Hof. And he teaches people how to do this. Yeah. He has a system that can teach you how to tolerate cold. I, I remember reading about this one woman who was a champion swimmer in near freezing water. She once swam from a boat to the Antarctica, like many miles. And she swam, I think, between the North and South Island of New Zealand. And she would practice by, you know, sleeping with just like a t-shirt and shorts with the windows open in the middle of the winter and immersing herself in freezing cold water. I was thinking she's just going to take birth as a seal or a walrus or whatever they are in Antarctica, penguin, whatever the creatures are that live in Antarctica that can handle the cold. You know, the humpback whales that go up to Alaska right now. So there are people who practice this and they learn how to control the mind so that not only do they not feel inconvenienced by the heat or the cold, but their bodies aren't even affected. You know, this guy is climbing mountains in his underwear and this lady is swimming to Antarctica, and it's not that they get hypothermia or something like that. You know, they, they're frostbite, they're, they're not affected by this. So, what is, why are these gopis affected? <laughs> what are we talking about here? And therefore, Giva Goswami and Sanatana Goswami says, no, it's not like that. What they're experiencing is Brahman Samsparsha. They're touching God. And when they touch God, they experience ecstasy. So this is some of the sattvic above. So I thought we'd look just briefly at the sattvic above. Uh, that means eight. Now these sattvic above are ecstasies that occur spontaneously. Right? The anubhavs are ecstasies that you specifically manifest, right? You can correct me, Marjorie, just in-depth hot and nectar devotion. So like if I love someone and I smile at them or I hug them, that's deliberate, conscious, right? But the subject above, you're so much in love that you have this spontaneous uh, reaction. Right? And we sometimes feel this. We have the material shadows of this in our material emotions, isn't it? Right? Just like Arjuna in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita when he said, you know, my hairs are standing on end, my throat is drying up, my bogandiva is slipping from my hands. And Prabhupada said he was probably also crying. Prabhupada said these can be from great fear or from ecstasy. Right? So we, I one time experienced these materially when I was supposed to take Padma on an airplane from Los Angeles to India. And one of my other grandchildren was going to meet us in, uh, I think, Shanghai, someplace in China. He was supposed to meet us in, in China, and it was his first time traveling alone, and they didn't accept Padma's visa. And so they, didn't, they were saying she wasn't going to be allowed to board the plane. And I had to decide, do I get on the plane without Padma to meet my other grandchild in China? Or do I stay with Padma and leave my other grandchild alone? Which grandchild do I take care of? And I was trying to call people in India. Nobody would answer the phone. It was midnight there. You know, I'm trying to call Chandra and Mayapur. They wouldn't answer the phone. I was trying to call other people in Mayapur. They wouldn't answer the phone. I was trying to call embassies. They, nobody, would, nobody would help me. It was just, you know, when they're closing the check-in gate. And so my throat started drying up. I couldn't, you know, hold anything. I was experiencing this kind of... I thought, oh, this is what Arjuna was feeling like. You know, 
recognized. Like my whole body was just kind of, by the way, they did end up letting, end up letting us get on the plane. But uh, all as well that ends well. It, I'll tell you the, 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 the end of the story because it was really Krishna. So even though we got in the plane, we weren't sure whether or not they would accept your visa when we got to India, that they could have turned, you know, told us we couldn't come in. She had a student visa and you couldn't see the stamp. And it was, anyway. When we actually got to Delhi, there was no line. It was just myself, Padma, and my other grandson, Chakra. And there were these, these two guys at the immigration and they saw us and they said, are you Hari Krishnas? <laughs> and we were like, yeah. They said, are you vegetarians? <laughs> And Padma Chakra said, yes, we've been vegetarians our whole life. They never looked at the passports. Wow. <laughs> they just opened them. They were just looking at us and talking and laughing. And, oh, it's wonderful. It's when they just opened up the passports and just stamped them. Without even... Krishna. <laughs> Krishna. <laughs> I was just, thank you, Krishna. But anyway, that was a material thing. I was, I was feeling fear. I was feeling anxiety. What am I going to do? And the kids were just 14, by the way. You know, like, ah! So one can experience some shadows of the sattvic abhavas through the material emotions, but they're not pleasant. Believe me, when I was experiencing that, it was highly unpleasant. You know, it was something that I did, I certainly did not enjoy it. But the sattvic abhavas are all kinds of bhavas. They're all kinds of ecstasies. So we have being stunned. So this is, you can't talk, you can't move, you think the world is void, you're feeling great separation, right? So And this was exemplified by Devaki uh, when Krishna was in the wrestling arena. And she thought maybe he's going to be killed by these wrestlers, you know. <laughs> Just to think about Devaki. You know, she has to wait all these years for Krishna to appear as her child. Meanwhile, her children are all being murdered by her cousin brother, she's in prison. Finally Krishna appears, and then she's so afraid that he's going to get hurt. And then he leaves. She gets to feed him like one time, and then he leaves. And then she gets to hear some news from Vrindavan, but she doesn't get to see him grow up at all, and she can't tell anyone that he's her son. She can't share anything about him except with her husband. And he finally then comes back to Matura, she's finally going to get to be with Krishna, and there he is in the wrestling arena, maybe going to be murdered. So she gets completely stunned. Then perspiring. So Garuda, when he was watching Indra flooding Vrindavan and the Govardhan Leela, he started perspiring because he was so angry at Indra. And he just wanted to like beat him up. But he was thinking Krishna wouldn't like that. And then a really funny one about perspiring is Raktak. So Raktak is Krishna's what? Servant. Servant. So he's in Vrindavan. So he's on the platform of spontaneous love. But still as a servant, there's a little bit of formality. Yeah? A little bit of formality. Right? So Raktak sees Abhimanyu, Radharani's so-called husband. And he starts rebuking him. He starts criticizing him. I don't know exactly what he was saying. Like, why are you accusing your wife of being unchaste or something like that? He's really giving him a hard time. And then what does he realize? It's Krishna. It's Krishna dressed up as Abhimanyu. And the person that he has been criticizing and rebuking is his master. 
Right? Imagine any of you who are Maharaj's disciples. If he was, if you thought he was someone else, and you started yelling at him and insulting him and correcting him, and like, oh no, it was my spiritual master. <laughs> so he just starts perspiring like anything. What am I going to do? And standing up of the hairs on him. So one example is Sri Dhamma. So the coward boys would engage in mock fighting. And one time when they were engaging in mock fighting, Krishna blew his horn. You know, sometimes when there's a fight, just like the beginning of the Battle of Kurukshetra, everybody was pulling their conch shells, right? And bugles, so, ooh, you know, we're going to fight. And she down all of his hairs stood on that. Then the voice faltering. So one example here is the gopis when they come for rust dancing with Krishna. So this is also a fascinating story because these gopis, like Krishna Priya mentioned yesterday, many of them are sadhana siddhas. So many of them came from uh, Ramlila. They were the sages in Ramlila. They were attracted to Ram, and Ram's like, sorry, this life I have a Patni Vrat, I'm only taking one life, and so you'll have to wait for my next incarnation as Krishna. How long of a wait is that? Several million years. Just imagine that. Imagine when you get initiated, you're told, you will reach Krishna's association in several million years. So they had to wait several million years. And there's the personified Vedas. They see Krishna's pastimes, they want to enter, but they have to wait for the next creation. Wherever the next, however, whenever the personified Vedas get switched off to the new ones. Before they can, so it's also millions and millions and millions of years. And of course, there's other sadhanas to the gopis, people like ourselves who become perfect as gopis to enter into Rastila. So then the gopis take birth in Vraja, and they're like, oh, Krishna. Even when they're very young, like here, right? They're saying, Krishna, we want you as our husband, they're doing this Kachayani Vraja. And what is Krishna going to say at the end of here? At the end of this pastime? Next year, later, wait, later. How long have they already waited? <laughs> millions and 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 millions of years. You know, there's some devotees in this kind that wait like 15 years to get initiated. Imagine waiting millions of years. So finally, Krishna plays his flute. Finally, and each gopi hears their own name in the flute, and they leave, and they don't care about anything. They leave the japatis on the stove, for those of you who cook japatis know what that means. They leave their babies crying, they leave the milk on the stove, for those of you who boil milk, you know what that means. They just leave, I one time left milk on the stove to help a devotee in a crisis, totally forgot about it. Guess what happened when I came back to my room? Woohoo! Took me a month to clean that pot. They just left the milk, they left the chapatis, they left their crying babies, they didn't care, their husbands, their brothers, their fathers were all saying, where are you going in the middle of the night? They just left, and they go in the forest. So I can take a Joppa walk down this road, in the warm weather I'll do it early, early in the morning, in the dark forest. The forest is dark. To go into a dark forest, and there were tigers then, 
you know, these girls are what, like 12, 13, 14 years old, and going into a dark forest, maybe eight years old, whatever. They're young. Go into a dark forest, and they finally go there, and what does Krishna say to them? Go home. Go home. He didn't say wait even. He didn't say wait. After the Vastraharan really, he says wait, but when they go to the forest, he doesn't say wait. He says go home. Let's go home. Be a good wife and mother. That's what he tells them. So they can't talk. Their voice starts falling. They, they can't speak. They don't know what to say. What do you say to that? It's like, you called us. We waited for millions and millions and millions and millions and you kept saying later, 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 later. Not now, I can only have one wife. Wait later, not now. You're personifying the Vedas. Wait till later, not now. Wait till later. Okay, come! No. <laughs> and they couldn't speak. So their voices were full. Then trembling is, of course, today's verse. When the gopis are trembling and, and shivering. And they're not really shivering from the cold. They're shivering with so much excitement and so much thrill and so much happiness that Krishna's asking them to come out of the water without their clothes. So they have some embarrassment about this, of course, which is also very pleasing to Krishna by me. He's enjoying their embarrassment. Um, Gentlemen like shining. So he's enjoying their embarrassment, but they're also... Uh, they're, they're just thrilled. And then body changing color. So the Vrindavan residence and separation from Krishna, sometimes their whole body changes color. And then tears. Actually, Prabhupada said we should learn this small technique of crying for Krishna. Yeah, so when Rukmini was, was talking to Krishna, he was telling her, you know, it's not too late. We already have grandchildren, but it's not too late. You can still go marry Shishupala. <laughs> He's actually a much better husband, not really not worth anything. She was crying. And then devastation. Complete devastation. So we were talking about how the gopis, they came to the Raslila, and Krishna tells them to go home, and their voice is faltering. And they somehow manage to speak while they're drawing pictures on the ground with their toenails. And they reveal their eagerness for Krishna, which is usually they... In their shyness, they act like they're not eager for Krishna. But in this case, they reveal their eagerness for Krishna. And he accepts them, and they're laughing and joking and hugging and walking on the bank of the Yamuna. And then Krishna vanishes. He vanishes. Imagine waiting millions of years for a date with someone, and you come to meet them, and they tell you to go home, and you argue with them, and they finally say you can stay. And then you're going to drink your water and you turn around and they're gone. They're gone. And you look all over the restaurant and they're just gone. Anybody see where they're gone? Have you seen? Where did my date go? And he was just gone. And they looked everywhere and they sang songs and they got so mad and in love they actually thought they were Krishna. Right? And they were reenacting the pastimes. And then they thought, we're not going to keep looking. If we keep looking, he'll keep running. And if he runs, he'll hurt his feet in the dark. So let's just sit and sing. And they, they sing. And then Krishna shows up again. Hi! 
Huh? And then they go into devastation. They experience complete devastation. And Rupa Goswami says that these sattvika bhavas can appear at three levels, smoky, blazing, and shining, depending on the intensity. And they can occur just one or two or all of them, and he relates them to the, um, the earth, water, fire, or ether, right? I don't remember that. Material The material elements, which one of them are affected. So this is actually what the gopis are experiencing. And devotees want to experience these ecstasies. What's the Shikshastika verse? This is a moment of tears decorate my eyes. Oh my Lord, when will my eyes be decorated with tears of love flowing constantly when I chant your holy name? When will my voice choke up and when will all the hairs of my body stand on end at the recitation of your name? Mahaprabhu, arguably the greatest devotee, is begging for these ecstatic symptoms. Why? What, what does Krishna want? What is, please, Krishna, we have this word, karshitama. Uh, so you remember in 15.7, Mamai Vamsa Jiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana, Mana Shastran Indriyani Prakriti Sani Karshiti. Struggle. Does Krishna want us to be struggling in this material world? No. We all have people we love. Do we want them to be struggling? Anybody want someone you love to be struggling, struggling, struggling? No. We want the people we love to be happy. Yes? And if we can be the cause of their happiness, then that's even better. If the people I love are happy, that makes me happy. And if I've contributed to their happiness, then that makes me even happier. So Krishna isn't pleased that we're struggling with the mind and the senses. It's not something he wants us to be doing. He feels compassionate for that. And he's trying to help us. Krishna wants us to be happy. And he'd like himself to be the cause of our happiness. So when by seeing Krishna, by touching Krishna, by hearing Krishna, by tasting Krishna, we start exhibiting signs of happiness, and we start exhibiting signs of happiness that are spontaneous, it makes him very happy. That's really the only gift we can offer him. I know Krishna says, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam Yomay Bhakti but really, it's already Krishna's flower. It's really already Krishna's flower. Right? The mother cooks, she gives the child some food, and the child gives it back to the mother. I mean, that's sweet. You know, my father earned money, he gave me an allowance, I used it to buy him a tie on his birthday. I always bought him a tie. So, you know, I had to go to the store with my mother. But, you know, it was my father's money. My mother had to take me to the store. I was really just offering back to my father what was already his. But what can I give Krishna that's mine? As Prabhupada writes in the purport of Bhagavad Gita, one should know what is one's own and what is not one's own. What's mine? My love, my free will, that's mine. That's actually mine. And when I express that love in happiness, oh, Krishna, I'm so happy to see you. Krishna becomes pleased. 
oh, my part and parcel is pleased. So this parshita is not the struggle with the senses and the mind. It's not the struggle with heat and cold due to a touch sensation. It's the, the beautiful burden of love. Like Prabhupada says, the burden of love, the, the child on the lap of the mother, the uh, young husband on the young wife, the, these burdens of love, uh, they are a source of great happiness. Unlimited happiness. So this is what we should be aiming for, to feel the unlimited happiness of love, of actual touch with the divine. So we have a few questions. A few minutes for questions. And hopefully there will be a few of them. Yes? Thank you so much for such a nice class. Um, I was thinking about the headache pastime and how the movies mm. like willingly gave the dust of their feet to please Krishna. So I was thinking, perhaps in the same way, um, Krishna is enjoying the gopis' embarrassment, as you were saying. So, do the gopis like are they willingly like becoming embarrassed to to like continue Krishna's enjoyment? Ah, so you were saying about Krishna's headache and how Krishna, the gopis enjoy giving the dust to their feet. Krishna's enjoying the embarrassment or the gopis willingly being embarrassed. Yeah, not like they're planning it out. Mm. We're going to be embarrassed to please Krishna. Not like that. Right. But the mood is, they, they take the mood of whatever is going to please Krishna. Mm. I mean, sometimes this is extreme. Like Bhishma, who likes to fight with Krishna, and Krishna likes to fight with him, he has to get on the wrong side. And there's many ways in which that pleases Krishna. It pleases Krishna by showing that no matter what a great fighter you are, if you're on the wrong side, you're going to lose. It pleases Krishna to give the example of don't sell your soul for money. But it also pleases Krishna by having this fight. So he's willing, that's kind of embarrassing for Bhishma. Look at how Draupadi was willing to be embarrassed. But that was her role in the Leela. Otherwise, how would it be revealed how evil Duryodhana was? You know, he was very charitable. And many of the citizens liked him. Just like we have many citizens who like our current president. I mean, they genuinely liked him. So many people liked Duryodhana. He, was, he, was, he had knew how to ingratiate himself to the people. And so Draupadi did that role to reveal. That's intense. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about how difficult it was for these gopis in their society to be naked in front of a boy. But this was the boy they wanted to marry. And there wasn't anyone else there except some toddlers. But with Draupadi, she was in the assembly in front of all of the elders of the family. How devastating when she was a fully grown married woman. I mean, how devastating that must have been for her. But she's willing to do that. That was part of her surrender to Krishna, to be willing to take any role in the Leela for the purpose of the Lord. Or I think about Yudhisthira. You know, we still criticize his gambling. He was criticized by his other brothers, by his wife, by everybody. You know, but he's Dharmaraj. And again, without him taking that role, how would we see how evil Duryodhana and Shakuni and Dushashan and Karna were? So, yeah, the devotees are willing, you know. However, I'll be a worm if that takes your pastimes forward. You know, I mean, I'm not at that level. I, I can't pray those sort of things sincerely, frankly. 
But that's the, the real devotees there on that one. Yeah. And for them, it's, it, it's happiness. To me, it's very hard to understand this. To have your son killed in the battlefield by, what was it, seven Maharatis. Oh, he's 16 and his wife is pregnant. Shilaprabhad ki jai, Shilaprabhad ki jai, Krishna's gopis ki jai.